Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com. And today I'm really excited about our guests who are two leaders in the open relationship community uh, as far as putting on all kinds of events, potluck meetup groups for the open relationship community. And they've also founded the Open Relationship University here in the Bay Area. So welcome to our show, Alex and Gloria. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So glad you're here. So if one of you, do you want to start, Alex, and just tell us a little bit about um, Open Relationship University? What is that and why did that come to exist? So uh, Gloria and I were already organizers and active in the open relationship communities in the Bay Area. We were hosting events like potlucks and other types of events. And we kept seeing that uh, people would come in and they'd be new to open relationships and they would have the same sets of problems and be making the same mistakes. Right, things like jealousy and time management and how to deal with big emotions and communicate. Um, And so we started Open Relationship University to um, really help people over those initial hurdles and, um, you know, get them to a space where they can really enjoy all that openness has to offer. I love that. So you really found a need by being close to the people that were coming to events and practicing open relationship, and you really saw that there was a void where there wasn't enough education for them. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's yeah. some great books out there, and there's some you know great te- there's some great teachers out there, but there's a lot of it's just still not in the general ether, and people were dealing with you know the very similar problems again and again, like the jealousy, the shame, right, the 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 pain of couples where one of them really wanted to be open and the other one really didn't. That's, these things are very common. And while everybody is unique, the, so they were definitely hitting the same problems. Yeah, and I could see how doing something live in person would be much different than reading a book because in person you can get more community feeling and more support so you're not just in the shadows with thinking that you're not getting it or something. <laughs> Right. Well, and it also just really normalizes the whole experience. Um, you know, when you're hanging out in a group of people and you hear somebody say, oh, my boyfriend's wife just called me the other day so that we could go get Manny Petties, then, you know, all of a sudden it's this whole normal thing that people are just talking about. Whereas I think when you're just reading it, can feel a little like, oh, God, am I the only person in the world that's even doing this? Yeah, right, I, right. I think, and, and and people have legitimate privacy needs, right? And and yet they sometimes, I think, conflate a little bit. Like, I'm not telling anyone at work about this because I don't want to deal with the blowback because I'm going to be private about it. But they conflate that with a feeling of shame and secrecy. And, you know, when they do tell somebody, the person's head explodes. And then instead <laughs> of going into a, a deeper conversation about what it's like for you and how it's working and how it's going, you're just cleaning people's brains off the floor all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So how did you guys come to be so involved in the open relationship community? Um, how long have you been together as a couple, and were you open before you met each other? I think we, we both had kind of experimented with with various types of open relationships before we got together. Um, but for both of us, this is our first real, like, kind of really fully open relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about four years in. It's going pretty great mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, we, so we that, both that's, hit. That's, go ahead. Oh, we both hit being in an open relationship from very different angles. Um, and yet we were both really ready for it at the time. And I, um, you know, I'll just kind of go into detail on my story about that. I mean, I was in a monogamous marriage and it was just an awful, awful relationship. It was, um, <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it was it was codependent and abusive, and um, you know, it turns out it was unconsensually non-monogamous, as in I was being cheated on, and um, it was it, it broke me. I mean, I I you know, here I was a, a guy in my 30s, just kind of suffering from post-traumatic stress from this awful, awful marriage. And it really kind of floored me, too, because I had been studying spirituality and healing my whole life. And I've had the same guru since I was 21. I met him in 1991. I've been studying massage and healing since 1992. Right? Um, and, you know, and, and this whole world of relationships had been just left out of all of that. And I hadn't learned how to have good relationships at home. And I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think there's a lot of people who they're, you know, they didn't, their parents weren't great models of wonderful relationships. And I hadn't learned it in school. All right. If there was a class on how to have great relationships, my school didn't offer it. And I didn't learn it, you know, listening to pop music. And I didn't learn it listening, watching movies or sitcoms, right? And so all I had was these shitty models of relationships. And so I didn't know it wasn't right to be abused by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, you know, I, so I found out that I was being cheated on and it was just so relieved to have an excuse to get out of the relationship. And then I spent some time just rebuilding my personality and, recovering from the trauma of the whole experience and started to learn and study the way I'd been studying spirituality and studying healing and massage. I turned that towards studying um, emotional intelligence and relationships. And during that time I was in a great relationship with this woman and it ended really suddenly or, you know, and now looking back, Right from from the point of view of history, it didn't end really suddenly. It was heading downward for a long time. I didn't know that. Right at the time, it felt like it just the floor dropped out from under me, and I didn't know why. But I could tell that communication and emotional intelligence were a part of it, and I just thought there's just relationship skills that are still out there that I just don't know yet. And I'd been in the Bay Area long enough 
to know that open relationships and polyamory and sex parties and I knew that all existed just from having lived in the Bay Area. And then I thought to myself, like, you know, those open relationship people, that sounds, that sounds hard. Maybe <laughs> they know something I don't know, right? Maybe there's some skills that they've got around relationships that I'm missing, right? And I didn't even necessarily know if I wanted to be in an open relationship, but I knew that I... I knew that I, I knew that there was somewhere I could look for some, and maybe get some insights that I was obviously missing. And I could go on, but I've been talking a lot well, and wanted to see if I. Yeah, else no, wanted to thank say you, something. thank you for that, Alex. I appreciate your vulnerability about that, and I love what you said. Um, for one thing, it's true that monogamous people can learn a lot from polyamorous or people in open relationships about relationship because monogamous people can brush stuff under the rug for years or even decades, whereas it seems like when you're in an open relationship, it's much more difficult to sweep things under the rug. Would you, would you say that's true, Gloria? Oh, absolutely. It just, you know, it's, I think in, you know, monogamy has this kind of conceit that it just works. Um, and so as long as we agree not to sleep with anybody else, then we won't ever lose each other. Um, <laughs> but obviously that's just not true, right? Because we've all been in, you know, almost everyone has been in a monogamous relationship that broke up or knows someone who has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and in polyamory, you know, like the the fact that you could lose your relationship is just kind of a little more, present and it's or it's a little I think it just brings more awareness to that reality right that's the reality of all relationships monogamous or open Um, but in open relationships there's an extra layer of awareness around it because you know that your partner is you know is with other people is sexually involved with other people is romantically involved with other people whatever it is and so it just kind of forces like a prioritization of like oh right we actually have to actively doing this relationship instead of just putting it on the back burner, or putting it on autopilot. Um, Set it and forget it. Yeah. One of the <laughs> things, Alex, would you say um, monogamous people can learn from those in open relationships? You know, it's funny that you asked because Gloria and I have been talking about writing a book that is what monogamous people can learn from the world of open relationships. Right. Mm. Um, you know, and it, like, what's the first question that everybody asks when they, you know, if they're monogamous and they find out that somebody's poly? How do you deal with jealousy, Oh, what do you do right? about jealousy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, oh, as if monogamous people didn't have to deal with jealousy. Right? Right. Gloria no, and I never. have a three-hour three jealousy workshop that really digs in deep to what jealousy is, what to do when it happens, and... I, I, monogamous people would benefit greatly from that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I worked with a woman who was monogamous, but she just wanted to learn how to manage jealousy from somebody who practiced open relationships. So it's very true that we really can teach a lot. And so, Absolutely. you know, I was thinking about this topic about um, – just learning about relationships in general. I saw a news story today about a woman, you may have seen this, she was an Oxford-educated medical student, 
and she stabbed her boyfriend in the leg with a butter knife, and they're going to let her let her off with no um, criminal charges because she's an excellent medical student. <laughs> and wow. I thought, wow, that, that woman may be super intelligent and very talented as an up-and-coming surgeon, but she clearly doesn't have any relationship skills. I think they also talked about how she had had an abusive relationship before the guy that she stabbed, who she just met on Tinder. And I thought, well, that woman's picker is broken. She's picking men. She's getting in fights with them. And how sad that we don't have that kind of relationship education growing mm-hmm. up. You know, like you said, all we have are our role models. And it's just so needed in our culture to learn to relate to people, not just for our romantic lives, but for business and everything else. And we end up having to just read books about it. So I'm really glad that you're offering these classes and that you're thinking about writing books. Um, it's just so necessary. Yeah, I mean, so I, I got out of my family of origin thinking that a relationship was control. Like the whole, mm-hmm. the, that was what a relationship was, was controlling other people in big and small ways. Right. And that's just, and it's, and now, and I tried to replicate that model in my, adult relationships and they were just awful. <laughs> it didn't, it worked so badly and it led to just such awful relationships and so much misery. And, and I didn't know any better because I hadn't learned any better until I did. Mm-hmm. Right. And Gloria, you were talking about um, when you're in an open relationship, it's more present that your partner could leave you because he's having other relationships Um, Can you talk Mm -hmm. about kind of the flip side of that where the more we give our partner permission to have outside relationships, the less likely they'll be to lead us, can you leave us? Can you talk about that a little bit more? I mean, I I certainly feel like that's true in my relationship with Alex. I don't know if I would extrapolate that to all relationships. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think it can go either way depending on the person. I think it, you know, I think what it does is it, you know, that if I want to stay in relationship with someone, um, then I need to work at that relationship and I need to put in time and I need to put in energy and I need to put in effort. Um, And, you know, and again, like that's true no matter what the relationship model is that I'm in. Um, And, you know, and I think in open relationships, it's just – it's just that much clearer that like, Oh, right. Like I, you know, if I want to keep this going, then I need to put in time, energy and effort. Otherwise I could lose this. Um, And for Mm -hmm. me, like, and then the, you know, for me, like part of that energy and effort is in, um, you know, is in making space for, you know, for my partners to have other partners. Right. And that's, you know, for me, like that's, you know, it's, um, you know, that's part, that's just kind of part and parcel of it at this point Um, because it's just, it's so freeing in both directions and it's, you know, and I want to support the people that I love in doing the things that they love doing. Um, You know, the same way that a monogamous person might support their partners, you know, wanting to get into triathlons or having a boat or model trains or whatever it is. Right. Like, um, you know, like we, you know, I, I want to support the people that I love in having experiences mm-hmm. and having a life that they love. And mm-hmm. for me in my current relationships, that's, 
supporting them in having other partnerships as well because that's something that they love doing and want to do. Beautiful. And um, so, Gloria, Gloria, can you – oh, did you want to add something, Alex? I did, but it's kind of a longer bit, and if you have a follow-up question for Gloria, I can wait for a minute. Uh, I was just going to ask Gloria to tell us a little bit more about your background and um, what your relationships were like before you met Alex. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I came up through, you know, kind of through my 20s doing the serial monogamy thing um, and, you know, had mixed into my serial monogamy a very consistent pattern of um, having relationships that I built up to be bigger in my mind than they were in reality. Um, So, you know, kind of putting my partners up on a pedestal and um, trying to make, make my relationships into something that was bigger than they were. Um, And that didn't work out that great. That resulted in a lot of pretty unpleasant um, breakups and whatnot. Um, And then I found myself, um, I I moved to Berkeley um, uh, almost five years ago um, and um, was moving for community, but also for a person that I, you know, in in retrospect, it was also for a person that I was dating at the time. Um, And as soon as I moved down here, it fell apart almost instantly because um, we weren't actually dating. We were just having sex, and those are two different things. Um, and <laughs> so once I got here and tried to make it a relationship, it was clearly just not – that's not what he was interested in. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like, you know, like, okay, like I, you know, I need to really break this pattern. Um, and I was living in intentional community um, and doing a lot of personal growth work. So I worked with, uh, with a coach in that community um, and spent some time just really getting clear on what I wanted to get out of being in a romantic partnership. Um, and at the same time, I was also um, actually facilitating a little discussion group about relationships in general in that community, both for my own, you know, for my own interest and to be able to learn more from others. Um, and was doing that facilitation with a good friend of mine at the time who was um, very into polyamory and open relationships and was very kind of, um, you know, evangelical about it, if you will. Um, (laughs) And so um, she brought me to um, a couple of events for people in open relationships. and, And eventually through going to those, I met Alex, um, kind of at just the perfect moment. Um, and, you know, and was, I was very clear, like, when I first started um, in relationship with Alex, so, like, okay, like, I, you know, I've, I, I kind of had come around to a logical understanding of how polyamory could work um, and why monogamy might not be the best choice for everyone. Um, but I still wasn't quite sure at that point if I could – handle it emotionally myself on like a day-to-day week-to-week basis um and I was really clear with Alex that I um really just you know that I was that I was in the space of not feeling certain about it um and um and you know and from there you know I just you know we just kind of dove in and then it worked and it kept working and so that's been really great 
And so both of you were really kind of laying out the relationship from the start as this is going to be open. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Alex was very clear. Alex had already come around very clearly to like, I am doing open relationships. This is who I am. And this is the type of relationship that I want. And so we've been open since the beginning. I mean, that's kind of where I left off on my story. Um, Right. And I, I was, I'd be happy to pick that thread back up again. And it really actually yeah, relates to, um, and it, it relates yeah. to what you were asking Gloria about can a open relationship be safer, right? And more likely, uh-huh, right. less likely to lose somebody and break up in an open relationship. And I, and I, I'm going to wrap this, I'm going to wrap the story back to that question because I do think they relate. Okay, please do. Um, and I just want to mention there was some background noise a minute ago, so just be mindful of that. Okay. So um, where I left off was deciding that this, this open, open relationship people, polyamory people might know something that I don't know. And I went on to meetup.com and I typed in oh, polyamory and open relationships and I found – a discussion group that I could go to uh, in the, at the San Francisco LGBT Center, like 12 or so people just around a table in the lobby just talking about where they were at with open relationships. And this was all very new to me. I would not ever had an open relationship. I didn't know much about it. And so I was just hearing everybody from their different perspectives. And this one woman just left such an impression on me. She was crying. She was heartbroken and just weeping because one of her boyfriends had broken up with her. And I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I uh-huh. the whole, like the, the, the whole one of your boyfriends thing is it practically broke my brain, but I could see that her pain was real and her, dis- her, her distress was real and her heartbreak was real. It was obvious. And so I just had this like, okay, I need to slow my roll kind of moment. And I'm like, I'm not going to claim I am polyamorous if I'm not. I'm not going to say that I want to do an open relationship if I don't, and I don't know yet. I had no idea. It just was all so new, right? But I knew I didn't. I knew that I wasn't didn't want to represent myself one way if I was still really just looking for an, a better monogamous relationship, and then end up breaking someone's heart like this woman's heart was broken. And so I spent the next year just on the in that question and doing a lot more research and reading what there was to read about it and meeting leaders and going to events and going to workshops and, um, and meeting people and really just kind of absorbing that whole thing with the question of asking myself, is this what I want? And during that time I was dating this wonderful person who um, knew that I was dating other people and she's like that's fine for now we're just now dating you know we don't it's kind of kind of the dating around thing that looks a little bit like uh solo polyamory but um Mm -hmm. with the expectation that when you find the one then you have to be monogamous Mm -hmm. and she said that for her that was actually going to be true that if we Mm -hmm. still were together she would need monogamy eventually and mm-hmm. so, sure enough, you know, about a year into this whole thing, um, she sits down and she says, I need us to be monogamous. And I said, I don't think I can do that. 
and it was just a deal breaker for our relationship. She wasn't going to try mm-hmm. open relationships, and I wasn't going to try monogamy again with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, and, she might have she might have been able to stay with you if she had been open to that. Right. If, she, if, if, if open relationships were something that she thought could work for her, I definitely would not have broken up with her. I wanted to be mm-hmm. in a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just as much as I wanted it, it was as much as she didn't, you know, and I, and I really, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, and I really believe that open, the monogamy is really right for some people. And I think that she, mm-hmm. I think that was something she just really already knew about herself was that monogamy was the best mm-hmm. choice for her. But I, mm-hmm. so two months later, I met Gloria and we fell in love right away. I mean, we had, we met at an event and we had a little, like, let's get coffee and, make sure that we're people that we like outside of just being in an event. And then the the next date after that, we, the date lasted for like 42 hours because we were already falling <laughs> in love and couldn't think of anything better to do than be with each other. And it started, it was an open relationship and it was always an open relationship. But in the beginning, we were so much in that new relationship energy, falling in love thing that we weren't really dating anyone else. And mm-hmm. it was already, the fact that it was open was already um, a brain-changing experience for me. Because for my entire life, I'm actually really quite slutty. I really like sleeping around. I like sex with new people. I like casual sex. I also fall in love really easily. Um, I, it doesn't take much for me to just already love you and want to stay in relationship with you, right? And all of my life, I thought that I had to choose between being like that or being in a committed, close relationship, that I could never have both, that I could either have the freedom to explore sex and relationship with lots of people, or I could have a close, committed relationship and lobotomize that part of myself that wanted that. (laughs) And so with... And with Gloria, I didn't have to cut half of my brain out to be in a relationship with her. I could be my full self. And I wasn't even seeing anybody yet, but I didn't have to pretend I didn't want to. I didn't have to mm-hmm. kill the part of my brain that wanted to, that finds people attractive and so therefore wants to have sex with them. And I could just be who I am and bring all of myself to a relationship for the first time in my life. Beautiful. Thank you for that story, Alex. Um, I just want to say, in case anyone is tuning in uh, at this time, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio with your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with Alex and Gloria Schoenfeld, the founders of Open Relationship University. And they're telling us their story now about how they just started their relationship right off the bat being open. Um, So when you decided that you were going to be in a committed relationship with each other, at what point did you start to talk about agreements or how, you know, what form of open relationship it's going to be? Because there's so many different ways. I always say that everyone who practices open relationship does it in their own unique way. So at what point did you decide how you were going to do it? Did you come up with agreements, or did that just evolve organically? 
it's really been a pretty evolutionary, evolving process. It hasn't, um, yeah, it just hasn't, uh, you know, we, we never, like, sat, you know, because we started out open, um, we we kind of skipped the step that I think a lot of couples that are opening up from monogamy did of, like, setting up rules or expectations or agreements um, and just kind of naturally flowed into a lot of them. You know, I mean, we have safer sex agreements and we have some rituals that we, you know, that we both, you know, are consistent with. Um, but we don't have a lot of, like, rules either. So it sounds like you are pretty compatible as far as how you want to do open relationship because when I look back at, at my open relationships, um, for example, my first open relationship, he wanted to have multiple lovers, almost kind of, in a, he had kind of an infinite appetite for new experiences. And I just wanted to have one or two ongoing love relationships. So there was a bit mm-hmm. of incompatibility in the way that we wanted to do it. So how did you guys, or how do you guys do it? Is is it kind of like everything's fair game or do you, do you have ongoing relationships or do you only have more casual ones or how do you do your open relationships? We really mix and match a lot of that. Um, I mean, I, you know, we, we do a lot of, like, kind of dating around, and there's a community of, like, friends and lovers that we see sometimes. Um, I've been dating one of the people I've been dating for three years, three and a half years now. And the other one, um, the other person that I date a lot, we have our first anniversary tomorrow. So... Mm-hmm definitely doing some long-term things, you know, and, and I think we're open to people moving in with us. Um, we've tried that before. Mm-hmm. It went, it went <laughs> really well until it didn't. Um, <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, and that, and that could, something like that could come around again, if it was the right connection and the right person and the right, you know, the right feeling for everybody. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to talk about the rituals that you mentioned, Gloria? Yeah, I mean, we just, um, you know, I, I, I think of them more as, like, rituals or, you know, kind of just courtesy than, um, you know, than necessarily rules, you know. So, like, if we're having a partner over to the house, then we make sure to put an extra sheet down so that the bed is still clean, um, mm-hmm. you know, if we, you know, we try to, we, we almost always try to reconnect with each other after we, you know, have some time to reconnect with each other after we are, um, you know, after we've had a date or some sort of an experience with another partner. Um, so, Wait, I've um, got one. and can you talk, can, did you want to add something, Alex? Yeah, I, and I think another one is that we don't spring big shit on each other unawares, right? Like mm-hmm. if something mm-hmm. if, if something was going to be really different than how things had been, like say a oh, first sleepover with somebody, we we talk about that. So we talk about stuff like that before it happens, as the possibilities are developing, right? So we're not mm-hmm. we we don't drop surprises on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you very first notice a spark with somebody new 
you talk about it right away rather than letting months go by and say, by the way, I'm in love with somebody now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're, you know, we're very transparent um, mm-hmm. with each other, um, you know, and, that, and that's something that evolved too. I mean, when we first started in, you know, in our open relationship, like I was really kind of averse to hearing a lot about what was going on between Alex and other partners. Um, and, you know, and as we kind of evolved into it, it's just become real. It's just, for us, it's been much better to have, um, a lot of transparency and really like kind of, you know, get into some of the nitty gritty details of what's going on between us and other partners. Um, because it really, um, for us, it's been a really demystifying experience, you know, like Mm -hmm. when, you know, if, if, if he's with, you know, if he's with somebody else, then, it's really easy for me to build up in my head, you know, especially if it's somebody that I don't know or don't know well, um, you know, that the sex that they're having must be the best sex that has ever been had and her boobs mm-hmm. must be gigantic and she, you know, <laughs> and she can do all of this, right? Just, you know, all of these things that I could never do, right? <laughs> because she's this magical, mystical fairy being, Um, and, you know, and when, you know, and when he shares what's really going on, it's just like, oh, right. She's a normal human person too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just really, um, yeah, it's kind of grounding for me. That's true. We do have a tendency to, um, make the person, uh, like they're, they're more whatever than we are, whatever our insecurity is. Mm-hmm. For me, it used to be, oh, yeah. my, my partner's lover probably is way more orgasmic than me. She's probably squirting all over the place and having multiple <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> like whatever your fear is until you meet them and realize that they're pretty cool. <laughs> so, right. um, so, do you, so do you usually meet each other's sweeties at some point? Yeah, I mean, most of most of the people that we date are we're kind of dating from within community, so mm-hmm. it's relatively rare that we start that either of us starts dating somebody who um, the other person doesn't already know. Um, mm-hmm. But when it happens, is it though? We, well, more for you than for me, I guess. I, I, I don't think I, I've ever. I, we definitely, we definitely meet everybody eventually. I mean, and there, it's true yeah. that we know a lot of the same people. But I'm, I'm, I'm a, a social butterfly and an extrovert, and have brought home people that Gloria hadn't met yet a few times, and it's always gone really well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever dated somebody that you didn't already know. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. <laughs> And then do you consider your relationship uh, a primary partnership and how does the relationship hierarchy thing work in, in the way you practice open relationship? I, you know, I don't feel, I feel like the word primary doesn't say much. Right. It doesn't, I don't, I don't use it because I find it just a little bit too hierarchical, a little annoying and a little too useless. Right. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we have commitments to each other. We're, we're, we, we, and some of those commitments are going to take place over a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a pre-existing relationship and we're nesting partners and we're planning a family with a baby, right? So these things, right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, 
lightly abandon these commitments. Um, if you know, and if, if right, which doesn't mean I never could or never would, but I don't. I take them. I I made them because I wanted to, and I want to stay that in that relationship that we've set up for each other. But that, but so it does. Primary describe all of that, maybe. Or maybe it's just that she's my nesting partner and we have commitments to each other and um, and that does change how, what I'm available for with other people, but I'm looking for people that fit into my life as it is and however that fits together and not pull me into some whole different thing that and so that I can abandon this one. I don't want to abandon this right. one. I love it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Cool. Okay, well, so why don't we go into the J word then, since you guys teach about jealousy and um, it's probably come up in your own relationship, I would imagine. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think jealousy sometimes in open relationship communities, um, it gets this reputation of like, no, like you really have to like, stop having it like you you know you can't you know people have this idea that like oh no you like jealousy is always bad and evil and toxic and you should just never have it anymore and then you will be enlightened good job <laughs> right. and if you're right. feeling jealousy there's something wrong with you you're just not you're just not open enough or poly enough or good enough or spiritual mm-hmm. enough if you're feeling jealousy but mm-hmm. that's just that's just wrong you know, jealousy is, you know, it, you know, jealousy is a, you know, can be a useful tool for figuring out if something is actually wrong in your relationship. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if jealousy comes up, it's perfectly valid and probably important to ask the question, oh, is my relationship actually in jeopardy right now? Because mm-hmm. the answer might be yes. And if the answer is yes, then, you know, then you have to figure out what you're going to do about that. But if the answer is no, then it's about figuring out, well, where is this jealousy really coming from, right? What's underneath this? And, you know, and what's, you know, what are my emotions and what do I need from my partner around this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big one, um, finding out what you need from your partner, because, one person might want to hear more details about their date, whereas another person might want to hear less details, or um, you might need reassurance, or you might mm-hmm. need to have good sex with them, or <laughs> it's good for us to own right. what we need. Yeah. Um, Gloria, yeah, we, we talked about how... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead and add something, Alex, and then I'll... Okay. Anyway, um, so Gloria, you talked about... Um, that you love to help your clients move past limiting beliefs. Uh, You told me this before we started the show. Mm -hmm. Um, You like to help clients move past limiting beliefs in your practice. So can you talk a little bit about how, because I think uh, a lot of limiting beliefs come up in open relationships with regard to our insecurities, um, fear of abandonment, fear of being unlovable, unwanted, all those core Mm -hmm. issues. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how you help your clients with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is really just, I think, I think so much of it is just the process of being human and figuring out how, how to be that. 
Um, and so, you know, so for me, I think, you know, so much of it is just bringing awareness to the fact that, you know, that if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling some sort of a feeling, you know, maybe I'm feeling some sort of insecurity, um, you know, that feeling I can trace back to some sort of a belief about myself or about the world or the way that I interact with it. Um, and just bringing awareness to like, oh, I feel really insecure right now about, you know, my partner's out on a date and I feel really upset and I feel really insecure and I'm worried that he's going to leave me. And like, wow, I've felt this at other points in my life before. And wow, when I, I noticed that like when somebody isn't with me right now, then I think that they've forgotten about me because I think that I'm, you know, really just very forgettable. Right. And like, you know, and so that kind of process around figuring out like, what do I actually believe about myself? And is that true? Right. Does that actually fit in with my beliefs about the world um, and my beliefs about my place in it? Um, and if it, you know, and if it doesn't, which a lot of times it doesn't actually fit in with, you know, kind of your deeper beliefs, um, then, you know, figuring out ways to replace it and change it and move past it um, can be really transformative, both in, you know, in open relationships and just in life. Mm-hmm. Right. And did you want to add something, Alex? Um, not to that. That was brilliant. I'm just, I mean, I'm just in awe of how she put that. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you talk about your relationship with jealousy, Alex? Um, yeah, I, the first, you know, is the first step for me in my repair. Um, and I, and I brought, you know, and I, in my history, I was talking about who I was after my divorce from an awful marriage. And the first thing I did was study emotional intelligence and it blew my mind, right? I just had no clue, right? The fundamental tenets of emotional intelligence are that your emotions are yours and your responsibility and they're not anyone else's fault. No one, not, they didn't, no one else causes your emotions. Your emotion is something that's happening in you. And vice versa, other people's, you don't cause other people's emotions, that they have their own emotions. So that was just news to me. But, mm-hmm. um, I, but I've really internalized it since then. Um, so um, nothing, you know, so, so, have I, I, so, I, so when I feel something that I think people relate to jealousy, jealousy, is, it's, the word doesn't tell you much about your emotional state. Right. There's something else. There's something else deeper to it. And, you know, and to, to disambiguate it further, is it envy? Are you feeling, you know, are you or are you feeling insecurity? Are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling neglected? Right. So the real feeling that jealousy is pointing you towards. Those are the mm-hmm. things I felt, and they're not that hard to deal with when I when you feel them in a healthy relationship. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Gloria came home from a date, and, and she said, you know, and I, what did you do on your date? We had sex for two hours. I noticed right away envy came up, and so I said, well, that sounds great. Can we schedule that? And she said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so I didn't have to. I didn't have to be mad at her for having had sex for two hours with her boyfriend. I could just say, "I want to do that." And sure enough, we could do that, and we did, and it was just as great as I thought it was going to be. You know, and if I'm, and or she's telling me about this new person that she's really excited about, and her new relationship energy is just bursting through every room of the house, and I start to feel afraid and insecure. And I don't have to tell her, hey, cut that out. I can just say, hey, can you tell me you still love me? And, and, she, and she does. It turns out she does still love me. And I would just like to point out the caveat for people that are listening to me and thinking that they'd like to try this. And you, if you're going to try it, you can't be in a codependent relationship. And that's a big topic. But I've got a real quick litmus test. For everybody that's ever going to listen to this, it let you it's a little clue that you might be in a codependent relationship is if you can't trust somebody to tell you the truth, right? Mm. If you if if you think that when you ask them, do you still love me, they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear and not what's actually mm. real, then you might be in a codependent relationship and asking for what you want doesn't work because you can't trust their answer. Right, but for but for people that are in healthy relationships, if you're feeling insecure, you can ask for reassurance because you can trust the person to tell you the truth about how they're feeling about you, and it's beautiful, and it's one of the fundamental love languages, and it's and you know, if hearing words of love is one of the one of the basic love languages, and I highly recommend asking for it if you feel like you're needing it. Mhm. Beautiful. Yeah, and so, um, Gloria, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, new relationship energy. We have a term in the open relationship world for those that are new called NRE, new relationship energy. And how do you deal with, like, let's say Alex has new relationship energy going on. Um, How do you manage that and not make it mean that you're less important to him? Right. Um, it's interesting that, that that this question comes to me because I tend to be the one with the more problematic new relationship energy here. Um, yeah, so it's that, you know, I mean, for me, I like to bring it back around to, like, brain chemistry that, you know, humans are kind of biologically programmed to connect and to bond. Um, and there's a whole bunch of really powerful brain chemicals that start getting pumped out into your brain when you are entering a new relationship. So you're getting these big hits Mm -hmm. of dopamine and oxytocin and all these brain chemicals that are like, I feel really good right now. And I want to keep doing this forever. Um, And yeah. And for me, um, you know, I think it's, you know, for me, it's about asking for reassurance Um, it's about recognizing, I think for me, like a huge piece of it is just recognizing that that's what's happening. Um, both for myself and, you know, and if it's happening to Alex, although Alex is a little less prone to like heavy bouts of NRE, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, but for me, like just kind of recognizing it and naming it makes a big difference. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. noticing like, oh, okay, wait, I'm having some new relationship energy right now and I should probably be aware of that and make sure that I'm not like uh, non-consensually 
spraying it all over anybody who happens to walk in the room, right? <laughs> like, you know, if I, if I start just like, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this new person, and they're so wonderful, and let me tell you all about them, right, without checking in first and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm feeling kind of gushy excited. Could I, like, share some of that excitement with you? Would that feel okay? Um, I think that that level of check-in and consent, um, that makes a big difference. Because then someone has the chance right. to opt in or opt out. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so maybe, Alex, you can answer this. Um, have you guys ever been able to bring the NRE into your relationship and kind of uh, soak up some of the extra juice from that? <laughs> yeah, but- well, one of the one of the things that we've seen again and again is being in an open relationship has unlocked stuff between each other that might never have been unlocked or might have taken years to come around to, and that's both sexual stuff, right? Things things that we've explored for the first time sexually with other people that we've been able to bring back and to to our sexual relationship with each other and really really enjoy. But even emotional stuff. I mean, like I am somebody who's prone to depression. Gloria is not. Right? This is back to brain chemistry. Right? Um, I, one of my long-term partners is also somebody who's prone to depression, and she and I can connect about what it's like to be depressed in a way that Gloria and I can't. But it's also mm-hmm. giving me. So that's been great. But it's also giving me more words and language and metaphors to talk about talk with Gloria about what it's like for me, things that I learned from this partner that I've been able to share with Gloria. Um, it's just, it's so much, right. It, it, we're not, you know, a, a people new to open relationships spend a lot of time in like uh, panic. Oh my God, the roof's going to fall. And I just want them to know that when the roof doesn't fall, it, um, and everything just kind of turns even keels and turns. Okay that your life can just really be wonderful. And there's so much Mm -hmm. richness and juiciness is available if you can get over the humps of starting. Yeah. Well, I can imagine that you must have a lot of fulfilling uh, times in your life, particularly being so in the middle of a big community of, of friends and lovers. Um, so maybe you can talk about how being in community makes a difference when you're practicing alternative relationships. Yeah, yeah I, I, but Gloria, you go. You, you go. <laughs> I mean, we tell our clients. Um, uh, we tell our clients to find community all the time, right? And if you know, and, and for one, it's let's let's not pretend it's a dating pool right because if we i i actually you know don't recommend people finding monogamous people and trying to convert them to open relationships it actually works much better to find people that are already in open relationships and so if you hang out with people mm-hmm. that are in open relationships then your dating pool are people that get it mm-hmm. um and and again, I think Gloria was talking earlier about just how much it normalizes the the things that you're dealing with, and you don't feel like such a lonely freak anymore because there's other people around you who are doing the same kind of 
thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And what would you say to people who don't live in a major metropolitan area that may not have uh, their choice of meetup groups to go to? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, you know, finding online community, I'm sure, uh, you know, can be really supportive as well. And there's a lot to be had there on Facebook, um, you know, FetLife, other other sites. Um, and, you know, and I think, like, just kind of being open to the possibility that maybe there are more weirdo freaks around you than you think there are. Um <laughs> Because I think that can, you know, I think that can be the case, too, that, like, oh, maybe, like, that, you know, that nice, normal-looking couple down the street is actually doing a whole bunch of crazy shit when you're not looking. Like, (laughs) you know. Um, And, you know, and so, and, of course, like, people have different needs for privacy. um, And so, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not, like, recommending, like, oh, like, you know, go tell everybody that you know that you're doing this thing. Um, you know, but as you find, you know, I think, is, you know, if you put yourself out there a little, you may find that there are, um, you know, that you'll wind up attracting in the people that you want to be spending time with um, and the community mm-hmm. that you want to have. Yeah, if you share about it vulnerably from your heart, uh, one-on-one with somebody, you never know when they might say, oh, I've been thinking about that, or my cousin does that, or exactly. something like that. <laughs> I I have okay. one more piece well, of advice. Go ahead. Yeah, for go ahead. that actually. Uh-huh. Um, so there's there's a different overlapping communities that are related to each other um, that are not right. That like for example, Burning Man, right? The, the Burning Man is its own thing, but there's a big overlap between people that are in open relationships and people that go to Burning Man. Tabletop role playing games, right? The Comic Con. There's, there's actually these other subcultures at Wicca, right? There's other subcultures out there where the people in them are going to be much more likely to be practicing open relationships or at least have already been exposed to it. So you can look for something in your area that's somewhat complementary and expand your social circle in ways that might have the, the effect that you're looking for. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, well, we're about out of time, but I want to give you some time to tell us how to get in touch with you. Um, But I wanted to thank you both so much for your transparency and sharing your story and all your knowledge and just thank you for the service you're providing to the community. Um, So if you want to tell us how how people can get in touch with you, and I believe you also might have a, a gift to offer the listeners. That's you, yeah, uh, we were both waiting to see which one was going to jump in, I think. Um, <laughs> so we, um, we've got openrelationshipuniversity.com is the best way to get in touch with us. And we, um, we, there's a contact form, so if you want, you can email us directly from there. Um, if, you get, if you do, we'll put you on our mailing list and let you know about our classes when they come up. And um, the other thing that we do, right, and we were talking about earlier the, that we see people heading toward the same pitfalls again and again when they transition from monogamy to some form of open relationship. And we offer coaching to help people steer away from the pitfalls, or maybe if they've already fallen in, we can help pull them out. Um, 
And so the, what we'd like to offer people is if you think that we're a good fit for somebody that you'd want to work with and could help you with this, we're, we'd like to offer a complimentary strategy session for all of your listeners. All right, so mm-hmm. it's an hour with either one or both of us or um, – and, you know, you yourself or you and your partner, if you're in a relationship, or that can go either way. Right? But we'll really land with you, figure out what it is that you're trying to achieve, where you are, and see if what we teach can help get you over the hump that's separating those two things. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And people would contact you on the openrelationshipuniversity.com website for that? That's the that's the easiest way to do it right there. Yeah. Okay, great, great, awesome. Okay, any other last thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, thank you so much for having us on and providing this show out there to people. Yeah, we were, You're welcome. Lori and I were talking before it started about just kind of our biggest vision of why we're taking the time to do things like this is because we believe – that it's possible for people to live a life free of sexual shame, right? Where they get to express themselves where they're not putting artificial limits on their relationships and they get to express fully who they are in all of their relationships. That's a beautiful vision. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on the show, you two, and lots of luck uh, as you move forward in your relationship and eventually start a family. I'm just really glad you're out there sprinkling the world with your new energy and ideas. So thank you for being who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.